Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. So the last uh, couple of weeks, we've been saying that we're wanting to get into uh, something different within our church life, our, our family life, and that is uh, coming back into uh, small groups and making that more of a focus within our life because we, we're not making Sundays church. So church isn't just Sundays. Church is every part of our life, and it would be great if we are able to get together. So as kicking that off, last week when we were doing the pastoral care course, uh, I sometimes don't struggle to hear God, but I sit there and question God. And for the last um, couple of uh, weeks, I've been questioning what he's been laying on our heart for us to move into this next season uh, as we're experiencing and maybe journeying where God's taking us as a church, but also individually. And as I was sitting in the basic pastoral care course, it was like God turned around and said, I've, you've had this, I've had this study for the last uh, probably 18 months to two years. But I hadn't really looked at it much since I'd uh, done it. And it was like he turned around and said, this is the study. And it would be great with the topics that we've got here for us to actually journey into. So for the next eight weeks, it won't be just me speaking. We've got a couple of different people speaking. We're speaking on eight different topics. And those different topics will come out coming up on the screen. And I'm a big believer that if we're going to step into where God is going to take us as a church, we need to be able to see where God is taking us personally, what he's lying, laying on our hearts and what passion he's already started burning, whether we know it or not, in our hearts for us to be able to step into what he has created for us individually. We are all part of a body of Christ. And we have all been given different talents, gifts and abilities to be able to do different things, not only in this church, but in the community wide. There is a reason why Penrith Churches of Christ has been placed here in Penrith. And it's not just to worship on a Sunday. So this isn't a great opportunity to find, for us to start discovering where God is placing us. So let me pray and then we're going to move into the first one, which is who am I? A little bit scary, um, but... I think it's absolutely pivotal. Uh, and as we go into this, if we're going into groups, if there's a, go and see Judy. She's got a couple of names down for uh, opportunities for you to be involved in any of these small groups. We've given opportunities for this. Don't feel compelled that you have to, but it will be great for you to journey on this. Lord, I just pray and I commit what I'm about to say to you. I pray that the words that I say are not of me, but of you. Lord, I pray that whatever is said... It gets received and the things that get received are what you want people to individually hear for their lives, for what's going on for them. So Lord, I pray in advance what you're going to do. I pray for your spirit just to move. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you can see, our first one is who am I? Maybe the most fundamental truth we need to know is who we are, who we really are, not just what we're here to be existence, but who we actually were created to be. Have you ever heard of the quote, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? For, for a long time in my life, I was like that, especially being a football player and also working in corrective services. What didn't hurt me enough to bring me down would make me stronger in that sense. So it was more of a life lesson learnt. 
is what I would learn off the things that I did wrong so that I could do it better. Didn't necessarily work for me all the times. But we were made in God's image. In Genesis 1.26 it reads, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. One of the biggest things that I struggle with that is that so many people, especially working with youth, you, you, you sit so many people struggling with their image, so struggling with their self-confidence. And, you, and that was one of the things that, uh, one of the questions that I continually kept on getting asked. If I'm created in God's image, and, and this may offend some people, but this is the stuff that I've, I've had brought to me um, working with youth. If I was made in God's image, then why am I so ugly? If I was made in God's image, then why have I got all these faults? If I was made in God's image, then why is my life so hard? One of the things that we surpass is that, yes, it says we are made in God's image, but that's not only just the physical sense, but it's also our spirit. Our inner being is made in in God's image. Our mitro, this is hard, but I'm going to try it. Our mitochondrical DNA Proves, I think I think I did. Mitochondrial, there we go, beautiful. So we've got some nurses here, which is, is it mitochondrial, is it? Beautiful, easy go. Done. DNA proves that we all descended from the same woman. Our Y chromosome proves that we all descended from the same man. And we know as Christians that that man and woman is Adam and Eve. We were created mysteriously and wonderfully. Not just the intricate details of ourselves, so our, our fingerprints, our skin, our hair, how we grow, how we move, how our heart starts beating. Not just that intricate details of ourself, but also our spirit. That spirit was created to have connection with our physical body in first sense, but also its creator, God. Adam was created just like this as well. So which within him experiencing this spiritual connection gave him three significant things. Now I know last week these significant things were brought up and it, it raised a lot of questions during, uh, during the basic pastoral care course. But I believe that our spirit needs these three things to flourish. Acceptance, significance and security. We were all created for that kind of life. Complete acceptance, not only by God, but by others around us. A life of significance, a real purpose, an absolute security. With no need to worry about a single thing. God promises that in the Bible. So why don't we live this out? Why don't we live out these three things? Well, Adam did until he died. Not died physically, but spiritually when he and Eve made the choice to eat from the tree of good and evil. They spiritually died. The connection that they had, that their spirit had with God was broken and they were separated from God. The acceptance that they enjoyed, the amazing intimate moment by moment relationship with God changed to a crushing sense of rejection. That sense of significance was replaced with a sense of guilt and shame, which we're all born with. 
And that sense of security turned into fear. The first emotion expressed by Adam was, I was afraid. Now here's some trivia for you. Did you know that don't be afraid is the most repeated commandment in the Bible, equaling to about 170 times within the Bible. Don't be afraid. So all of us are born into an environment that we were never designed for. And whether we know it or not, our spirit is yearning to get back to those three key elements. Acceptance, significance and security. So how do we fix this? There is only one solution. To really restore our relationship with God and to become spiritually alive again. It is something to just exist, but that's not living life and that's not what God has promised. That is why God sent Jesus. Yes, he came to forgive our sins and pave the way for us, but that was just the means to the end. In John 10.10, Jesus himself said, I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. That is a promise that Jesus says. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. There's another translation which I absolutely love these words that are used because it just it bounces out is that I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. doesn't say that we have to just completely live law by law. It says we need to live with abundance and he wants, he wants to show us that way. Spiritually alive and physically alive. What did Adam do? What did he lose? He lost his life. What did Jesus come to give? Life. So the question I'm asking you is who are you? The moment you became a Christian is a defining moment in your life. The Bible expresses it this way. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation. The old is gone and the new life has begun. So my question to you is, can you be partly old creation and partly new creation? The answer is no. In Ephesians 5, 8, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Can you both be light and darkness at the same time? I don't know about you. Have you ever done that test with the, the, the torch and trying to put darkness over and actually light just tends to seep out wherever there is breaks, wherever there is cracks? I've done that a lot in youth. Many of us have come to think that we have been told or we have been told that we are, as Christians, a sinner saved by grace. You certainly were a sinner and you certainly were saved by grace. But if you listen to these words and if the scripture is correct, which it says that it is, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It seems to imply that we are no longer sinners. 
In the New Testament, the word sinner appears over 300 times. And it is short, it is the shorthand way of referring to people who are not yet Christians. But you never see it to, you never see the word sinner applied to followers of Christ. There is another shorthand word that gets used a lot, which is about 200 times in fact. And that is translated from, there's not an actual word that translates from the Hebrew or the Aramaic word, but in the English it translates to the word saint. Or holy one. So when we give our lives, we are not a sinner saved by grace. Rather, we are seen as a saint or a holy one. That's a moment for thought. In Galatians 3.27 it says, We we clothe ourselves with Christ. Perhaps we have understood or you have understood or been told in the past that this means that you are still the same hopeless wrongdoing person that you were deep down inside, but it is being covered up with Christ. So that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin or anything like that, but he just sees Jesus who clothes over you, but he doesn't really see you. But that's not what the Bible says. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son in the book of Luke? Where the father unexpectedly welcomed his son at the door. Didn't wait for him to come. He ran to his son. And the first thing that he did was clothed him with a robe. A really expensive robe. Did the robe make him accepted? Was it the robe that made him accepted? My question is, was he accepted by the robe? No, because, it, because all the robe did was cover up the dirt. It wasn't the robe that made him a son. He was given the robe because he was a son. I'll repeat that again. It wasn't the robe that made him a son. He was given the robe because he was the son and the robe was the suitable dressing for a son. When God the Father looks at you, he doesn't see Christ covering up all your mess, your faults, your your mistakes, your failures. He sees you just the way you are, just the way he created you to be. A new creation, holy, wonderful, whiter than snow. This is the bit that I struggle with a lot of the times. And he delights in you. He delights in who you are. Not what you did, but who you are. So who are you now? After you have given your life to Christ, it is a fact, and Satan cannot change that. But if you, but if Satan can get you to believe a lie about who you are, he can actually cripple your walk with Christ. So does that mean that since I've accepted Christ into my life and God into my heart, that God no longer sees my sin? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is Jesus loved you when you were still a sinner. He's not going to stop loving you when you're a saint. And when he died, he died once and for all. 
And how many of your sins were future sins when he died? He died once and for all. For all of our sin. So being a Christian doesn't mean that we are perfect. We still sin. And John writes in 1 John 1.8, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Sin is a serious matter. It gives the devil a foothold in our lives. Stops us from being fruitful and disrupts the harmony of our individual fellowship with Christ. But it doesn't fundamentally change our relationship with God. Nothing we can do can make God love us any more. Nothing we can do can make God love us any less. And if we were the only person on the world that needed Christ to die for us for freedom, he would do it. Doesn't that make you feel just a little bit special? So what do you do? What do you define yourself as? A person who goes to church? Do you define yourself as a believer or a follower of Christ? Or do you define yourself as a Christian? What is a Christian? Someone who chooses to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and has made him a definite decision, has made a definite decision to put him in charge of their life. So if Christ lives in you, then who are we in Christ? Since we need to marry my talk up with this, and if we have an, we have an opportunity, we've got printed copies, but we've, you've also, from Korong, you can purchase this, which I would think, because this is an absolutely awesome Bible study. There is three things in the back in the first section. Three things that aligns those three key fundamental elements of making sure that we are not just physically alive, but spiritually alive. And those three things is I am accepted, I am secure, and I am significant. And there is Bible verses. One of the biggest things that I do within youth One of the biggest things that I do within youth when people are struggling with things is I say, you need to make a battle plan. Because for every hundred lies that you hear, you can only hear one truth. So you need to make a battle plan for the lies that get said over your life, whether they be from indirectly or directly towards to you. You hear these lies and if you let them infiltrate your your heart and your head, then you'll start believing them. So in here is a kind of a battle plan. If you don't believe that you are accepted, if you don't believe that you are secure, if you don't believe that you are significant, there is things within the Bible that squashes those lies. And I'm going to read them out. But if we're doing the study this week, if this is part of what we're going to be going through, I would encourage you to not only read these out, whether it be by yourself or in your small groups, but I would encourage you to read them out and actually accept them into your lives. Listen to this. I am a child of God. It says that in John 1.12. I am Christ's friend. John as well. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord and I am one in spirit with him. 
I have been brought with a price and I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint, a holy one. I have been adopted as a child of God. I have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. I have been redeemed and forgiven for all of my sins. I am complete in Christ. I am secure. I am free from condemnation. I, I am assured that all things work together for the good. I am free from any condemning charges against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed and sealed by God. I am confident that the work God has begun in me will be perfected. I am a citizen of heaven. I am hidden with Christ in God. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love and self-control. These words for me, when I read them out, I start getting tingles because for a long time I didn't believe any of this for myself. I am significant. I am the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I am the branch of the true vine, Jesus. I have been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit. I am a personal, spirit-empowered witness of Christ. I am a temple of God. I am a minister of reconciliation of God. I am a fellow worker with God. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I am a workmanship created for good works. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I am not the great I am, but the grace of God, I am what I am. Some of the words, they're very, very powerful, but the thing is makes them even more powerful is that they're the truth. And we tend to believe the lies that are said over our lives too much and we don't refer to the book of truth to actually live our lives by. So my encouragement for you guys this morning is that whether we do this study or not, that these things, these three key elements, that you are secure, you are accepted, and you are significant. If there's anything that you can take away, these are not only just three key elements, but they are backed up by the word of truth. I'm going to invite the worship team up as we finish off. That battle plan that I said to you guys, that I, that I um, recommend for a lot of people to use is to counteract the lies that continually keep on saying over and over within people's lives is not just a battle plan for the storms, but it's also a battle plan for the calm seas. Because if we can strengthen our faith, no matter where we sit, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what is happening within our inner selves, God will create the things that are happening next. God will come alongside us. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org.